You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Well, today's message, today's message is entitled, The Way God Begins. The Way God Begins. And this is number eight in Restoring the Soul. And we're continuing on this theme that we've been on since the beginning of the year. The Way God Begins. I'm looking forward to sharing this with you. Um, yeah, if we can bow our heads in prayer, Father... Speak to us your word and teach us your ways. And most of all, we're praying that you as the chief shepherd would restore our souls, that we would be renewed and restored. And Lord, also bless the, um, the broadcast. Cause the word to go into many places. Let it be seed sown and let it produce good fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, let's put our hands on our hearts and pray this with me. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life. In your precious name. Amen. Amen. So the way God begins, number eight, in restoring the soul. Today, we will center around how God begins we'll see that God's way of beginning is a prototype modeling how we should start. We'll also reflect on why Sunday is essential to God's way and why Sunday, why it's important, and why it's essential to God's way. So, got your seatbelts on? Ready to go? Here we go. Our first passage and one of our main ones for today is Genesis 1, 1 through 5. And I'll be reading this from the NASB. And I know that we're all familiar with it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning one day. Amen. Amen. I want to read that verse three again. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then it goes on to say, God saw that the light was good. Tov. That's a word that we should know, tov. 
And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning one day. Well, that reminds me, we have Passover coming up in two weeks. We're doing it at the Spanish church. We need to get numbers about who's going to come to the Passover. But this year, I'm leading the Passover at the Spanish church. And it's going to be, uh, we're going to be wearing costumes and all that. It's going to be like, we're taking it to the next level. This, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, the, not, not everybody, not everybody, but the leaders, the ones who were hosting it, <laughs> you don't have to come in a costume. So that, good correction, Anna, uh, good keeping, keeping us on our toes. So it should be a really, it's on, we're going to be doing it on Good Friday. It's going to be a really fun time, and it's going to be Caesar is hosting it, as well as Miguel, and I'll be doing the leading of the actual Passover. And yeah, it's going to be a beautiful feast. So, yeah, they'll need numbers. So let us know today. Okay, getting into the message some more. And the reason why I thought of that is because in that first day, it says there was evening and there was morning. What we would expect it to say is there was morning and there was evening the first day. But God's way was there was evening, the darkness, and then there was morning. And the Passover and all the Jewish feasts begin in the evening. So when the sun sets, that's the beginning of the feast. That's the new day, evening and then morning. So that's what made me think of that. God works to restore us to his original design and purpose. This is what God is doing. This is his work. If we don't know what he's doing or what he's up to, this is what he's up to. This is what he's doing. God works to restore us to his original design and purpose. If you go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, if you don't go there, I'm going to read it anyway. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, here Paul is drawing from Genesis chapter 1. And he says, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So he's saying that this first day needs to be something we experience. And he's saying that we have experienced it. All those who have been saved have experienced that. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts. So that is the beginning for us as believers it was the beginning for Paul. It was the beginning for these early Christians. God made his light shine in the darkness of their hearts to give us the light. And what, what is the light? The light, of the, the light of, the, of the knowledge. The light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ.
So how does God begin? How, going back here, how does God begin? We're already touching on this, but I want us to think about this, meditate on this. How does God begin? God begins through his presence and his proclamation. He initiates everything through his spirit and word. His word gives light. And that's what we see in Genesis chapter 1, 1 through 5, is that God begins with his presence. We see the spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters. And then God speaks and God said, in Hebrew, Vayomer Elohim, and God said, So God's presence begins his work of creation. It also begins his work of new creation. It's after the same pattern. So God begins through his presence. He begins through his proclamation. When what was the proclamation at first? What was God's first word spoken over creation? Do you remember? Let there be light. Amen. Let there be light. Yahi or vayahi or. And that's the Hebrew. He begins with his presence, his proclamation. He initiates everything, everything through his spirit and word. We saw at Bible school that the spirit and the word are like two wings of an eagle or two wings of a bird which those two wings go together and enable us to soar with God. And so we see everything beginning with the Spirit and the Word. And what does His Word do? When God speaks, what does His Word do? And God said, let there be light. His Word gives light, light into the darkness of our understanding, into the darkness of our confusion, into the darkness even of our own rest, his light comes. Now we see this in Psalm 119, and Anna did a beautiful job of teaching us and giving us an overview of Psalm 119 on Monday night, if you were there. I'm hoping to see if I can post at least the first session so everybody could enjoy it. And here we have, uh, as we start off the noon a uh, portion of Psalm 119, Psalm 119, noon, it starts off with a very, uh, usually this is a scripture memory verse, your word is a lamp for my feet. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. And then if you go to Psalm 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. That's the pay portion of Psalm 119. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So God's word is associated with light. God's word gives light. And it's a light that is not merely a natural light. The natural light is a testimony of this inward light that God brings when his word comes to us. And when we're reading the word, when we're hearing the word, when the word is preached, what we want to receive is his light. 
give me, give me light. Let your light shine in my heart and let it shine even in my own darkness. So it's not just for the light. It's not just for when you're first saved. It's for every day and every week, as we'll see. There's no sun on the first day of creation. There's no sun on the first day of creation, yet his word brings light. It's a light that transcends the sun and the stars. There's no sun on the first day, yet his word brings light. And every sunrise since creation encapsulates what God did on the first day. We're reminded of God bringing light through the sun, and that happens every day. And every sunrise since creation encapsulates what God did on the first day. He continually begins again. So God is through every day beginning again in the same way he began at the first day, except on the first day there was no sun yet. And there's a reason for that. Uh, One of the, I guess the big reason is that God's light transcends creation, but it is uh, encapsulated in creation. Also, we know back then, there was a lot of sun worship and worship of the stars. And in the order of creation, God created the sun and the stars on the fourth day, not the first day. So he's wanting to teach us that his word is greater than creation. But it's reflected in creation through the sun. But it's greater. It's greater than creation. His word brings light, and it's a light that transcends our own natural light but it's reflected in our natural light. Do you know what day of the week God said, let there be light? What day of the week did God say, let there be light? Well, the, the beginning, when, when God uh, spoke, he's creating, he's creating the week. It's the first day, so it's the first day, so there is a day, so there is the the creation of the day. And this is why I'm getting us to think about this, because we often don't think about this. Uh, Again, it's the first day, so this is the creation of the first day. It's a prototype day. It's a model day. What day of the week did God say, let there be light? The first day. And what is the first day? What's the first day? The first day is Sunday. So I want you to see the connection between the two. It's on Sunday that God said, let there be light. We call it Sunday. The Bible calls it the first day. Uh, A number of languages like Spanish call the Sunday The Lord's Day, the actual, instead of saying Sunday, they say the Lord's Day, and that's in a number of different Romance languages. Here is what we believe to be Jesus' tomb. The answer is Sunday. That's the first day of the week. And every single gospel makes a point of letting us know that on the first day of the week, Jesus rose from the dead. Now, 
all the Gospels are different from one another, but if they repeat something, every single Gospel repeats something, it is very important. And this is one of the things that every single Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John repeat. Every single Gospel makes a point of letting us know that on the first day of the week, Jesus rose from the dead. His resurrection signifies a new beginning the ultimate restoration of the spirit, soul, body, and all of creation. So let's look at a couple of these. We look at Matthew 28, 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, sorry, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Amen. Do I hear? He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly, tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So if you look at the creation account, you have seven days. The seventh day, the last day, is the Sabbath day. And then... The cycle again continues with the first day of the week. So you have the Sabbath being the seventh day, and then you have the next day, which is Sunday, is the first day of the week. And we see here that Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week. It signifies something. It signifies a new beginning, new life. God is beginning his new creation in the midst of his old creation, to redeem his creation. And it's not about rejecting creation, it's about accepting creation and restoring it. Now, I don't know if I've convinced you yet, so let's go to Mark 16.2. <laughs> Mark 16.2. Here, here again, we see... When the Sabbath was over, we'll start in verse 1, Mark 16, 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week. So the Sabbath was over. And then it says very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. Then you will see him just as he told you. 
And they were trembling and bewildered at this. And now you can see the same thing in Luke 24, 1 and John 20, verse 1. And also we see Jesus coming to that gathering of the disciples, walking through the door, the locked door, walking through the walls to them on the first day of the week in John 20, verse 19. What are we doing when we gather on Sunday? So here we are, it's Sunday. What are we doing when we gather on Sunday? And one of the reasons why we talk about this is because in our modern culture, we often think Monday is the first day of the week because we start work on Monday. But according to God's calendar and even our calendar, you know, if you see a calendar done properly, it will have Sunday as the first day of the week. So Saturday being the Sabbath, Sunday the first day of the week, Monday would be the second, and then Friday would be the sixth day of the week when Jesus was crucified. So what are we doing when we gather on Sunday? We're proclaiming Jesus, the Word, the light, and the resurrection. We are testifying that there's New life in him. A new beginning. Do I hear an amen? So it's important for us to understand what we're doing, why we're doing it. What's the significance of it? Throughout, throughout church history, Christians have competed with the original Saturday Sabbath the last day of the week. Some religious officials even decreed that the Sabbath has changed from Saturday to Sunday. But they were missing the whole point of what God was doing. I want to bring out some, some of this, which may be some new thoughts, uh, but this is what I'm proposing to you. Here we have, well, it's not just proposing to you, but giving you these Fresh thoughts, I think, a healthy way of thinking about this subject and classic debate about the Sabbath. So Genesis 2.1, we see, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And it stops there. That is the summary and the description of the seventh day. Now there's something interesting about this because all throughout the creation account, every day ends with there's evening and there was morning the first day. And then you go to the next one. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. Then you go to the third one. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. Then to the fourth one, one, there was evening and morning the fourth day. Then there was evening and morning the fifth day. And there was evening and morning the sixth day. But when you come to the Sabbath, it doesn't conclude with there was evening and morning the seventh day. So it grabs our attention. What is it saying and what is God communicating through this in breaking the pattern there? Let's read that 
one again, by the seventh day, God finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. There was that rest, which is communicating something of, it's not laziness, it's victory. It's, everything has been done. It's all been completed. A king can rest when he's victorious. And here, the king of kings can rest because he is victorious over the chaos that was in the beginning. The tohu, vavohu, the formlessness and emptiness that was in the beginning. Again, we go back to this classic debate. Christians have competed. Uh, the Sabbath, they'll say, is now on Sunday, not on Saturday. And there was decrees made by different church officials changing it. But what I'm saying here is we were missing the whole point. Uh, and I'm not the only one, I'm sure, that has said this. So how should we think about this? The Sabbath hasn't changed from Saturday to Sunday. Instead, God's rest is like a river that has broken its banks. It's no longer restricted to one day. The completed work of Christ revives the first day and re-sanctifies every day. The Sabbath hasn't changed from Saturday to Sunday. Instead, it's broken out into the first day. It is is not confined anymore. And that was God's original intention because we read in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, that there was no evening and morning for the Sabbath day. In other words, God wanted the Sabbath to continue. God wanted his rest to continue. He didn't want it to stop. He wanted it to continue. And so there was, uh, he, he wrote it in the law that it was to be observed, the uh, no work done on the Sabbath day. No work to be done. And the Israelites were to keep that faithfully. But it was a testimony of something greater. It was a foreshadowing. You can read about this in Hebrews. It was a foreshadowing. It was speaking about something that was greater. And the greater thing is Jesus. He is our Sabbath. And his completed work on the cross means there's victory over death and sickness and darkness and chaos. There is victory over uh, the death in the world. He is risen. So the completed work of Christ revives the first day and re-sanctifies every day. And God's will is that that the spirit of the Sabbath flows into every day so that our lives are meant to be lived out of his rest and that every day should be rest and all true work, all of God's work comes out of rest. It really comes out of rest. It comes out of being seated with him in heavenly places. It comes out of us having that revelation of his victory that he is risen. We live through the power of the resurrection. And when you're living in the power of the resurrection, you're living in that eternal Sabbath. And, a and, and that's where we're going to. I mean, right now we are beginning to taste it and experience it. 
But this is where we're going to when Jesus returns. He is bringing us into this eternal Sabbath, which it's already established. It's already established now, but then we will see the, the completion and the fruition of it. God's original intention is realized through the resurrection. The Sabbath has no evening and morning like the first six days. Instead, it goes on and on. Jesus' resurrection breaks the Sabbath, the seventh day, out of its box. And I would say in, in the Christian church, we have tried to put the Sabbath in a box. And other uh, religions will try to put the Sabbath in the box. But God has broken out of the box. And we see the tearing of the veil from top to bottom so that we can enter into his most holy place. We see him rising from the dead on the first day after the Sabbath. This Sabbath is meant to go on and on. Jesus' resurrection breaks the Sabbath, the seventh day, out of its box. Jesus is our Sabbath. We can live in his rest every day. So a couple of verses here. A little bit more intellectual, this, uh, <laughs> this message. And we've got a little bit more to go. But look at Colossians. This is so that we can understand what God has done and what he is, wants to restore to us. And he wants to restore to us rest. He makes us lie down in green pastures. The shepherd makes us lie down in green pastures. And in rest is great healing and restoration. <laughs> in the word restoration, we have the word rest. And in rest is great restoration and healing. It doesn't mean laziness, though. It means divine empowerment. So if you look at Colossians 2... 16 through 17, we read here, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Did you see that? The reality now is found in Christ. This doesn't mean that we don't uh, honor the Sabbath day or somebody uh, religiously follows the Sabbath day and we think, oh, what are you doing? Or somebody's doing the Passover like we're talking about. Oh, that, we don't do that because we have the reality. We still remember these things and they're important tools to teach us, but we realize that in all these things, the reality is found in Jesus he is the Sabbath. He is the Passover lamb, as Paul said. He is the Passover lamb. He is the Passover. And so Jesus is the fulfillment of all these great, all these great and beautiful laws that were in the Old Testament uh, that were pictures to teach us who our Messiah is. And then we read and we can see this in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Matthew chapter eleven 
28, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know that word easy, though, can be translated as beneficial. <laughs> and it's, for my yoke is easy, is, is that it's good, it's beneficial, his burden is light. But it doesn't mean that everything is always going to be easy. <laughs> Sorry to bust your buzz, bubble there. <laughs> but with God, with God, there is divine empowerment. And that's the whole point is it's, we need to be coming to him and living out of his rest and taking his yoke upon us and learning from him. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this brings us to our latest infographic. And uh, I've been working on this this week. Why Sunday? So let's zoom into this. Oh, first, Sunday has always been an important day for Christians. Here are a few reasons why. So Sunday is the first day of the week. And some of this is a, uh, a repetition, a, a summary of what we've been talking about. Sunday is the first day of the week. We often think the first day is Monday, but it's Sunday. Gathering Sunday means we're starting our week right. We're starting our week right with God and his people. And it's all a, like a reenactment or a, uh, a repetition of day one. And God said, let there be light, and there is there was light. So we're going we're gonna to see this in Acts. Look at Acts 20, verse 7. Acts 20, verse 7. This was a pattern for the early Christians. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people. And because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. This is a long uh, message. It'll remind us of bio school. <laughs> there were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. And this is where the guy falls asleep from the third story, falls dead. And then Paul resurrects him on this uh, first day here. <laughs> and he keeps preaching. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to see that this gathering on the first uh, day there. And then if you go to Hebrews, Hebrews 10, this is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. This is a, another classic verse. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Amen. That was what Anna was singing about. 
and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So the importance of gathering is brought here, and it's each of us have some each of us has something to give to encourage one another, to spur one another on. And we are to not give up this habit. Especially as we see the day of Christ approaching. So Sunday is the first day of the week, and so we're starting our week right. What else is Sunday? Sunday is the day Jesus rose from the dead. Sunday was the day of Jesus' resurrection, revealing that Jesus is our new beginning. He is the first fruits of new life. On Sunday, we participate in the power of his resurrection. And we saw in the beginning, Matthew 28, 1, Mark 16, 2, and verse 9 as well, Luke 24, 1, and, Luke, and John 20, verse 1, that the gospel writers tell us Jesus rose on the first day of the week. So Sunday is the day Jesus rose from the dead. It's a time where we participate in his resurrection and we celebrate his resurrection. So I want to come out of here with resurrection life. <laughs> I want to come out with resurrection life to bring into my week. Now my body may feel a little tired because of preaching and, and ministering to people, but that's a temporary thing. I may need a little nap at the end, though I usually don't get, I, I usually don't get a nap at the end uh, too often, but sometimes might need a nap at the end. But still, my body may be a little bit weak from ministering, but it, it empowers. There's something about Sunday that empowers you for the rest of the week to walk, to walk with Christ, to walk like Christ. And in keeping with that, Sunday is about putting God first. Through Sunday, we put God above everything. Relaxation, family, work, sports, and entertainment. I'm speaking to you guys who are here. <laughs> but it's important to remind ourselves of these things. Through Sunday, we put God above everything relaxation, family, work, sports, entertainment. That doesn't mean that you can't have a Sunday off. Sometimes that's a good occasionally, but not as a habit. Not as a habit. Uh, otherwise, you end up in a, a bad pattern, uh, kind of in a, in a rut Jesus taught us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So Matthew 6.33, we know, seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first. And by uh, worshiping on Sunday and gathering on Sunday and hearing the word on Sunday, we are putting God first in our week. So... I'm trying to give an understanding of what we're doing so we're just not blindly doing it. We're doing it with some understanding of why it's important from, from Genesis to 
revelation. This doesn't mean that other, day, other days are important as well to, to start right. And so how do you start right? You start like God started. You start each day with the light of his word. You start each day with God, the light of his word, waiting on him, hearing from him with his presence. And so the pattern we have on Sunday, it should be the pattern for every day of how you start your day right. And there was one day recently where I didn't start my day right. And uh, I um, took care of all the natural things. And then I thought, oh, well, then I'll get to uh, my devotions. My whole day, <laughs> my whole day ended up being one difficulty after another. And so I was reminded as I was preparing this that to start right, because that's my normal pattern is to start the day right with God. Start your, start your day right with God. Then 1 Corinthians 16, 2. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. Uh, look at what they do here. Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do on the first day of every week. Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collection will have to be made. We see there that there is that uh, pattern of meeting on the first day of the week for the early Christians. And that they were giving too. We're coming to an end soon. Sunday is a time to hear God's word. On the first day of creation, God's word broke into the darkness, bringing light to the world. On Sunday, we come to hear the word again and let it break into our darkness, illuminating our hearts. This is why we're breaking open the word today. Again, it's not limited to Sunday, but Sunday we're beginning this cycle again. And it's meant to remind us this is how we are to begin every day. This is how we are to live our lives. We do not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Sunday is a day to slow down, pause, and find rest. The early Christian practice of gathering on the week's first day shows the Sabbath expanding. It's not that the Sabbath has changed from Saturday to Sunday. Instead, like a river, God's rest has broken its banks into every day. And you can read John 20, 19, Acts 27, and 1 Corinthians 16, 2. So it's a time for us to slow down, pause, find rest, to let Jesus wash our feet, to be like Mary and not Martha. And that's why I'm, we have a very simple setup here. Uh, maybe as we grow, we add a few more components, but the idea is to keep it light because we're meant to pause and find rest. It's not meant to be, oh, so difficult, all the wires I had to put in. <laughs> and, oh, all the chairs I had to set up. It's, it becomes easier the, the more people you have setting up, but it's supposed to be a time of finding rest and enjoying God, an enjoyment, a participation in his resurrection life and rest. The resurrection came out of that rest of the Sabbath. Jesus was in the tomb. His body was in the tomb and he rises on the first day, but his resurrection comes out of 
rest. And then Sunday is the Lord's Day. Now, there's been some debate about this, but I'm, uh, I'm of the conviction that it is the Lord's Day. Sunday is the Lord's Day. And, but every day can also be the Lord's Day if we put Him as Lord. Even though John was exiled, he still was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. In the opening of his book of Revelation, we see the repetition of creation's first day. He hears God and experiences his light. Let John be an example of what the Lord's Day is meant to be, a day for heaven to invade earth. And you're going to see this here in Revelation 1.9. I'll read this to you. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony, testimony of Jesus. Now listen to this. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. And I heard behind me a loud voice, like a trumpet. This was Jesus speaking to him, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And then when he turns around, he sees this vision of Jesus among the lampstands. Well, this is how we are to live the Lord's day, in the Spirit. Now, sometimes people come to church, we're not in the Spirit. We're meant to be in the Spirit, and this is where we hear God. We're in the Spirit, we hear His voice, He's speaking to the churches. He's, he's uh, around the lampstands, tending to his churches, as we see here. This is God's purpose for the Lord's Day. And we want to be like John, who are in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, hearing his voice, writing down what he says, taking it to heart, and then carrying that message to others, throughout the week. That's what, how the book of, Revela book of Revelation begins. Amen. And so coming to, and then here Sunday is the first day of the week. Sunday is the day Jesus rose from the dead. Sunday is about putting God first. Sunday is a time to hear God's word. Sunday is a day to slow down, pause, and find, find rest. And Sunday is the Lord's day. So let it be the Lord's day rather than our day of doing what, what we want. Let it be about Him doing what He wants. And let it be more than just our time at church. You know, here we are at church, and we give God our hour or two, and then we go and do our own thing. Let it not be like that. Let it be the Lord's day, and let it establish a pattern that, we start right with the first day of the week being the Lord's Day, and then every day of the week then becomes the Lord's Day. So we're setting like a foundational stone, the cornerstone for the week, so that every day can be the Lord's Day and not our day. But it, got, it has to start somewhere, and it needs to start at the beginning. So that's why we do what we're doing. That's why the early church did what it did. This brings us to our last slide here. The chief shepherd restores us 
by empowering us to begin right. The chief shepherd restores us by empowering us to begin right. This means seeking his kingdom first every day, week, and year. It's a life modeled after his own. So we seek him every day first. We seek him every week. You can do this every month as you begin the month and every year uh, to seek him first. And so this is a pattern. This is how Jesus' disciples live. So, Father, here we are. Thank you that in the beginning you didn't leave everything in darkness, but you spoke. And your word brought light and you separated the light from the darkness. It's your word that brought light. Thank you for your word. Let your light just come and penetrate our hearts. Help us to live in that discipline. A holy discipline, a life-giving discipline of putting you first. Every day, every week. Every, every new season, every year, Lord. Thank you for this time of new beginning for our church. We want to honor you in everything and give you the glory, the praise, and the honor. Help us to begin right. That's... That's my prayer for Australia, for the Christians in Australia and across the world, that we would begin modeling ourselves after you because we've been created in your image and your likeness. Thank you, Jesus. Be glorified, be praised, be magnified. Amen.